0: I would like you to ponder this. What do lattice models, quantum groups, enumerative common orcs and symmetric polynomials all have in common? Any answers? <laughs> you cheated. Uh, do you give up? Well, our next speaker is using all of those things to try and solve Melbourne's traffic jam crisis. <laughs> Woo, Good on that. But Given that he is an avid bike rider, I am wondering if he has the dedication to really tackle this uh, challenge. But given that he is an associate professor at the Department of Mathematics and Statistics at the University of Melbourne, I have no doubt that he has the chops to crack this challenge once and for all. And if he succeeds, he will become my personal science hero. <laughs> Please join me in giving a warm welcome to Dr. Yang Geer.
1: Thanks for your confidence. Uh, tonight, I want to take you back to the, uh, the dark days of 1643, where uh, a man was born in a family of farmers, and uh, uh, the farmers weren't well educated. They were rich though, they had properties and animals, and uh, so they, had a, they were quite rich. But, but the father, who actually never saw his son born, because the the son, the father died three months before the son was born. Uh, The father couldn't sign his name. Yet the son was uh, earmarked to do big things later on. So his mother uh, remarried, uh, but didn't care much about the son, who was basically treated as an orphan, so he had a very terrible childhood. And uh, that scarred him for the rest of his life, as we will uh, learn. Uh, At around 19 years of age, he he wrote on his sort of diary or memoirs that uh, he he wrote about his father and mother, that he would burn them, and a house over them. Some of the documents that uh, survived through the time came into the possession of the uh, famous uh, economist uh, uh, Keynes, and he wrote about this man the following words. For in vulgar modern terms, He was profoundly neurotic, of a not-unfamiliar type, but a most extreme example. His deepest instincts were occult, esoteric, semantic, with profound shrinking from the world, a paralyzing fear of exposing his thoughts, his beliefs, his discoveries in all nakedness to the inspection and criticism of the world. Of the most fearful, cautious and suspicious temper that I ever knew, said his latest successor, Like all his type, and I think uh, Keynes here referred to physicists, are there any in the audience, by the way? (laughs) Like all his type, he was wholly aloof from women, he parted with and published nothing except under the extreme pressure of friends, and until the second phase of his life he was a rapt, consecrated, solitary, pursuing his studies by intense introspection, but with a mental endurance Perhaps never equaled after him. So, what did this man do? He was interested in uh, occultism, <laughs> the philosopher's stone. So, I, th- I think you all read Harry Potter or at least saw the movie. So, you know what a philosopher's stone is, right? It's, uh, um, it's supposed to be some substance that turns regular metals into gold, and uh, a man published widely on the Philosopher's Stone. Uh, there may be a picture going on, the, on Twitter. And, and so he made a picture in his, in his uh, uh, manuscripts that survive. Here there are actually pictures of circles representing the, the planets and, uh, and the elements, earth, water, wind and fire, etc. So he had a, a deep interest in that. He also believed that he was among a select group of individuals who were specially chosen by God, no less, for the task of understanding the biblical scripture. And by doing so, he predicted that the world would not end before the year 2060. So, I think he was on a good wicket, we're still here. so, um, But I think he had good intentions. To be fair to him, he wrote... Uh, This fact I mention not to assert when the time of end shall be, but to put a stop to the rash conjectures of fanciful men, who are frequently predicting the time of the end, and by doing so, bring the sacred prophecies into discredit, as often as their predictions fail. So why is he my hero? So far, uh, not much to, to boast about. Here are the words of Einstein about this man. He was not only an inventor of genius in respect of particular guiding methods, he also showed a unique mastery of the empirical material known in his time. And he was marvelously inventive in special mathematical and physical demonstrations. And for all these reasons, he deserves our deep veneration. And Keynes wrote, again, there was extreme method in his madness. All his unpublished works on esoteric and theological matters are marked by careful learning, accurate method, and extreme sobriety of statements." So we have to understand, of course, the time, the era that this person lived in. He was born in 1643. Uh, nowadays we call that the early modern period in history. and. Um, Educated people at that time had sort of a worldview which is quite different from us. Religion was very still very strong. Um, and distinctions between science and superstition and pseudoscience were sort of unclear at that time. And so a devoutly uh, Christian biblical perspective uh, sort of still permeated Western culture. So this is a man who died. so who was born on the same day that Galileo died. So he was in that era that science really started. Uh, The heliocentric view of the universe with the sun in the middle instead of the earth was starting to develop according to the theories of Copernicus and Kepler. Descartes, the French philosopher only started to develop his ideas of the universe being an inert mechanical uh, construct rather than some uh, biblical or uh, religious uh, uh, thing. So he he thought of the universe as a big machine. So it was in this period that Isaac Newton lived. And he's my hero. And asking, uh, there's this question going around, what's the difference between science and magic? Keynes wrote about Newton that not he was the sort of the first uh, scientist, but the last magician that lived. Not not finished yet, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I still want to go to his science, and there is really one year that stood out, 1666. Newton was 23, so he was 23, I'll repeat that, how old are you? I'll tell you what he did when he was 23. He went home, because at that time, 1666, there was a plague in Europe. And the University of Cambridge, where he was working and studying, was closed. So he went home, his beloved home, as I told you, and studied. He observed that white light, when shone through a prism, broke into different colors. And so he concluded that color is an intrinsic property of light. So at the time, that was a revolutionary statement because white light was pure and homogeneous and had to be of divine uh, proportions, right? It had to be uh, unity. So when he wrote that the white light actually consist- consisted of colors, uh, that, was, um, that was a big deal. And he got criticized for that. He also invented... Uh, because of this discovery, he, uh, he decided that the Galilean telescope was of no good use. So he invented his own telescope, the Newtonian telescope, which had mir- mirrors in it. And that's still used today as one of, sort of the best telescopes uh, around. He was 23. So that telescope he actually built himself. And two years later, when he was 25, he had a, a working version of it. So his greatest achievement was, of course, in physics and celestial mechanics. And, uh, and he, for the first time, connected the uh, movements of the, of, the, of the Moon, for example, to uh, gravity that we experience on Earth. And again, I, I should emphasize that at that time, that was uh, unthinkable, that the, the heavenly uh, objects in the sky would be related to the earthly objects that we see around. By the way, in the whole story of Newton, there's no apple to be known. <laughs> Um, but the way he thought about it really was... And again, he was 23. He thought of what, what would happen if I put a big cannon on top of a high hill and I shoot a cannonball. It would just go straight. And it would curve due to the gravity of the Earth and eventually will fall on the Earth. But if it would go fast enough, it would just keep curving and curving and go around the Earth. So what if... Uh, gravity was strong enough to pull the earth, and that would describe the orbit of the moon around the earth, and the orbit would be, uh, well, like a circular or uh, like an ellipse. And through this thought experience, uh, uh, th- experiment, he, he pushed it forward and he really um, decided that um, sort of the, the, the speed that the moon has was balanced by the gravity of the earth, and that would account for the elliptical orbit. And not only could he think about that, he could actually prove it because he developed the mathematics uh, to do so. And that was uh, probably his biggest invention, uh, calculus. So those of you who have been haunted at at secondary school by calculus, my hero is your man. (laughs) So he did this all in 1666 when he was 23. In 1679, so this is 13 years later, Newton corresponded with Robert Hooke, which was sort of his uh, uh, well, arrival of him. Hooke had written, and these are in words, that the attraction always is in a duplicate proportion to the distance from the center reciprocal. So here are two sort of learned men trying to do mathematics using words. So, all they, all they are saying is that gravity is described by the inverse square law. So, after this correspondence in 1679, uh, Newton found a proof that Kepler's law, which were known for 60 years, but uh, was a consequence of the uh, gravity forces. In 1684, So this is, again, five years later, and 18 years after his uh, uh, discoveries in 1666, Halley, of Comet fame, asked Newton what orbit a body would follow under the inverse inverse square force. And Newton replied immediately, an ellipse. And Halley was uh, perplexed. He said, how do you know that? Oh, I did a calculation uh, 18 years ago that proved it, and I'll show you the proof. So of course he, uh, he lost his uh, notes, but he went home again, set to work, and over a year later he published what is probably the greatest science book ever written, his Principia. Where he outset the three laws of motion, that hopefully you've all learned, uh, and where he developed his, uh, his method of calculus. So Newton's Principia formulated the laws of uh, motion and universal gravitation and it really set the scene for physics for the next 300 years. That's what he did in one day. Thank you very much.